beginning in verse 12 and reading through verse 16. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold for me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. You know, one of the most interesting things that you can embark on in life is a road trip, right? Anyone ever been on a road trip with your family or maybe with some friends? We got some people that have been on road trips. I know my mother-in-law's here this morning. I know that Jensie grew up going on a lot of road trips with the family, and I've heard a lot of those stories. And no matter what kind of road trip you're embarking on or who you're with, there's always going to be some very predictable question be asked throughout the duration of the road trip. And some of you already know what this question is, but someone in the car or in the van or, or uh, in your convoy is going to say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I mean, that question is inevitable, right? Someone is going to ask the question, are we there yet? I see some kids in the back, this is one of their favorite lines. I can already see them saying it with me as I say it because a lot of the times the people that are saying it is some little kid in the car who has no semblance of time, no semblance of driving or, or what it takes to get to a destination. All they care about is getting there. They don't care about all that it takes to, to get to the destination. All they want to do is to be there. So they're going to inevitably say, are we there yet? To be fair, regardless of the age, because, listen, that's me. Most of the time in the car, I'm always saying, are we about to get there or not? And I'm the one driving. I'm the one that has the Waze right beside me or the Google Maps or whatever it might be and I, I know how long it's going to be but in my head I'm thinking, are we ever going to get there? Sometimes during my sermons you think, are we ever going to get there? But that's what happens on a road trip. Someone is always going to inevitably say, are we there yet? You know, it's not that you aren't enjoying the trip. It's not that you aren't enjoying the scenery or, or the great uh, laughs and jokes and maybe uh, fighting with your sibling. It's not like you're not enjoying that. It's just that you simply want to get there. You want to arrive at your destination. You know what's just as inevitable as this question? The response. Almost always the inevitable response is, no, we're not there yet especially when the kid asks 30 minutes into the drive, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. We still have five hours to go. Thanks for asking. Thanks for reminding me. Right? The response of a resounding no is going to follow that question almost every single time that it's asked. You know, growing up in Athens, Alabama, luckily, for my parents' sake, we didn't go on many road trips. We didn't go on many long-distance drives, so they didn't have to hear me say this, but it would have been me. I would have been that child that asked that question had we gone on road trips. But the road trip we took more often than any was the road trip of 50 minutes long. And let me tell you, my family, that was long enough. Between Athens, Alabama and Florence, Alabama. 
Now, if you know uh, the distance of that, it's about 50 minutes. If my dad's driving, it's about 42. And so we would have to take that trip because that's where my grandparents lived. His parents lived in Florence, Alabama. Hopefully they're listening today. And so on that road trip, we would take that trip once a month, maybe twice a month, to go and spend the night at Grand and Big Q's. To this day, that's my favorite place in the whole world, Grand and Big Q's house. Because I knew when I got there that I was going to be greeted with a hug. I knew that I was going to be greeted to my grandfather watching old westerns on the Encore channel. I knew that we were going to get some goldfish, that we were going to get some ice cream. I knew that we were going to go outside and play. I knew my cousins would probably be there. I knew that we were going to have a great time. And most of all, I knew my parents wouldn't be there after they dropped us off, right? And so I I looked forward to that trip all the time. And in fact, since we didn't have uh, the phone with the directions on there, we didn't really need it. But we would have these landmarks that as we would pass, we would be like, we're almost there. Oh, we just passed the Bumpity Bridge. This is the Alabama words, I guess, this morning. The Bumpity Bridge. We had a bridge. It had 11 bumps in the middle of the bridge. You counted them as you went. One, two, three. And we got to 11 at the end. We passed the Bumpity Bridge. We passed the Hardys on the right. We passed Brooks High School, where my dad went to high school. And sure enough, within about 10, 15 minutes, we're at Grant's house. Are we there yet? We've all had this emotion. We've all had this question. And we've all been there before. You see, I couldn't wait to get to my grandparents' house because I loved being there. And so I would think to myself, are we ever going to get there? You know the question, are we there yet? When it comes to the context of, of, of maybe a road trip or maybe a, a, a child saying this statement, it's kind of funny, isn't it? It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of one of those jokes that's in all the movies. Some kid's going to say it. It's overdone and it's oversaid. It sounds a little bit silly in the context of a road trip, but this morning I want to ask this question in the context of our spiritual lives in the context of our soul, in the context of our walk with God. Are you there yet? This morning, you know, I'm going to be asking the question, are you there yet? And I don't want you to think that I'm talking to you or at you. I'm talking to myself. Because as I was preparing for this lesson, this was a lesson that I wanted to specifically call myself out and work on myself and ask myself the hard questions and and, and battle within myself what I need to work on. And I hope that does that for you too this morning. So many times when it comes to spiritual growth and our our spiritual well-being and our walk with God, we stop Asking the question, am I there yet? Am I where I want to be yet? Am I where I need to be in my walk with God? And we stop asking the question because all too often we know the answer. Are you there yet? Well, Ben, what do you mean by the there in that question? I can't tell you if I'm there yet because I don't know the exact there that you're talking about. What there are you talking about this morning? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about throughout the course of this lesson. The different there's in our life spiritually that we should all be looking forward to reaching and to attaining. You know, God has laid out His expectations in a very clear, in a very understandable way for everyone who is willing to follow them. God's expectations for His followers are are laid out plainly in black and white for us to read throughout the ages. There is no question what God's expectations are for us with our Christian walk. He wouldn't leave it up to chance. He told us what He expects of us and for us. 
The goals and the milestones that we should be aspiring to are all the same. No matter who you are or what walk of life you are about, you all have the same goal, the same end goal as a Christian. If you were to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul would say this, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. When was the last time that you partook in this examination? where you examined yourself as to whether you were truly in the faith and when was the last time that you tested yourself. That's what we're going to be doing this morning. We're going to be trying to ask the hard questions, grappling with what we could have likely, most likely, have been putting off for far too long. Examining ourselves and testing ourselves. This morning we're going to be taking a little road trip together if you will, if that's not cheesy enough. We're going to be taking a little bit of a road trip through each other's personal, individual walks with God. And we're going to be making a few stops along the way and asking the question, are you there yet? The first there we're going to be talking about this morning is are you there yet personally? What do you mean, Ben? What do you mean by that? Are you there yet personally? What do you mean? Well, the question is, are you there yet personally when it comes to your personal growth, when it comes to your personal relationship with God? Are you there yet? Are you where you want to be? Are you where you should be in your personal walk with God? That's the first question we're going to be grappling with this morning. You know, at the beginning of the year, in January, at the end of December, in the middle of January, we seem to have all these little uh, uh, lessons surrounding uh, what we want to do in the coming year and, and all the changes we want to make in our life and all the, all, all the spiritual aspirations that we have for the year coming forward. Do you remember that this year? Seems like every year Kyle has some sort of lesson at the beginning of the year that helps prepare us for the coming year. And in fact, we, we oftentimes put in place certain uh, 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 personal growth events like the, the reading plan we put out, the prayer warriors that we started. And we put out these different things so that we could possibly, throughout the course of the year, grow in our personal relationship, in our personal growth with God. In fact, we have a, a whole weekend called Charge Weekend, and it's, it's a challenge for us to, to personally grow. It challenges us to, to make changes in our life throughout the next year, and so right in the month of January, aren't we just pumped up? I am just pumped up. In fact, we thought of the name Charge because we wanted us to be pumped up. Charged up. And that's me in the month of January, let me tell you. In fact, in the month of January, oftentimes, what do we set? We set these New Year's resolutions, right? And oftentimes, we've, we've written articles, we've, we've done other stuff to, to make sure that we're doing spiritual resolutions in our life. You ever say this? This year, I want to have a better prayer life. This year I want to read the Bible all the way through. This year I want to, as the, the, the leader of my house, I want to have a family devotional every day. This year I want to just connect to my God and have a better relationship with Him. Have you ever said these? Have you ever written them down? Have you ever tried to, to, to reach these standards, these resolutions? I have. Hopefully you are engaging in that kind of examination, that self-realization that you need to be better when it comes to your personal walk with God. You know what happens in the month of January, maybe even February? You're on fire! When it comes to these resolutions, you're on fire for them. You're reading the Bible every day. You're following that reading plan. You're praying, and it's not just at the meals. 
You're praying throughout the course of the day. As a family, you're having a family devo, so you're, you're reading, you're praying, you're devoing, you're connecting, you're doing all the things you wanted to do that you ever planned, and it's just going great, isn't it? What happens? I don't know about you, but for me, something always happens throughout the course of the year that throws me off track. Life gets busy, doesn't it? Life gets busy, and so when life gets busy, you start saying to yourself in the back of my head, well, I don't have to do it today. I I can do it tomorrow. I'll I'll read double tomorrow. I'll pray double tomorrow. We'll even have two devos tomorrow. I'll connect tomorrow. And what happens tomorrow? Well, listen, it's going to be a great weekend. I'm just going to... I'm going to lock myself in a room. I'm going to read the whole Bible to catch up in a weekend. I'm going to pray the prayers of a thousand prayers to catch up. I'm going to connect to God this weekend, and then I'll be all set for the next Monday. And what happens the next weekend? You're too busy, something happens, and you don't wind up doing it. And so six months later, you're not past the book of Genesis. You haven't prayed in a while unless it was a meal. And so six months, seven months, eight months, the month of August right now, you're looking forward to the end of the year and saying, we're going to start this back up in January. I'm going to get all online. It's going to be all great. And the process never ends. It's a circle. It's it's this process that is never never going to end. You know, sometimes the coronavirus happens. Sometimes things in our life happen that throw us off track, throw us off of where we were headed, make our focus totally on the wrong thing in the year that was supposed to be about 2020 vision and focus and and, and all the things that we were going to do. If you aren't there yet, personally, I can't answer this for you, but I can tell you what happens when this happens to me. It's because I've stopped growing. I've stopped growing. Well, Ben, how could you say that that I've stopped growing? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm asking you, is it because that you have stopped growing? In your faith, in your walk, in your relationship, have you stopped growing? For one reason or the other, when this happens to me, the growth, the progress that was taking place is no longer taking place. You know, back in 2018, what did we do, right? As as an eldership, as, as a leadership, we put out a congregational survey, didn't we? Many of you took that survey, a a great percentage of you wound up taking that survey, and what we learned from that survey was that a lot of our members feel like they are stagnant in their relationship with God, in their growth in God's Word. They feel like they are not growing in their faith. You know what was also sad to learn from that? It was those same individuals that weren't engaging in the different periods of Bible study and and worship and events that we have here at the church for their personal growth. It was those same individuals that, that struggled in their attendance and struggled in their different types of commitment and, and, and time sacrifice that said that they were stagnant and not growing in their faith. And the, the answer this morning is, listen, we can't expect to grow in our faith, in our relationship with God, if we're not actively pursuing opportunities to grow in our faith and in our relationship with God. Doesn't that make sense? If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to grow in your personal walk with God, then you got to do something. Then you got to actually do something to make that happen. It's not just going to come at you all of a sudden, out of, the, out of nowhere, fall from the sky and say, Hey, I know the Bible now. I have a relationship with God now. All of a sudden, 
You have to actually do something and be intentional about it. And when it comes to growth, do you know that it's one of the most fundamental expectations that God has for our life? God expects His children to be growing. He demands growth from His children. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, Peter would say, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's how he ended the book. He says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul would say, meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be made evident to all. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance, of dead works, and from faith towards God. It's no question, it's no surprise that God desires all of us to be growing in the knowledge of Christ, growing in our love for Christ, growing and progressing and leaving the elementary principles behind and going on to perfection in our spiritual walk. Is that a surprise this morning that God expects that? So many of us, at the end of the day, are not there yet. Why do we feel this not there yet mindset? This not there yet attitude about our spiritual walk? Because there are many who are studying, who are praying, who are connecting, and they still feel this emptiness of not being there yet. Well, I think because at a certain level... No matter how much you do, you are always going to feel like you are not there yet. At a certain level, we're all going to feel like we are not there yet because we will never be there yet. We will never be where we could be, where we should be, closer to the image of Christ. And so a lot of us hear that. And it's a temptation. Let me tell you the temptation. You go up to one of these legends of the faith here at Buford. You go up to some of these older Christians that have de dedicated their entire life to the Lord, to the kingdom of God, and you ask them as a younger man, are you there yet? What are they going to respond with? Most of them, if not all of them, are going to look back at you and say, no, but I'm on my way. No, but it, it's, it's a daily battle. No, but I, I, I've gone a long way from where I was and I continue to get closer and closer to God. And it's a daily, it's a daily progress. You know what the temptation to hear that is for me, for, for others? Is you hear that and you say, see, there's my proof. He is 85 years old. There's no, he's not where he wants to be. He's not where he should be in his faith. And he's 85. I'm sitting here 24 years old. If he's not there and he's been a preacher for 50 years and I've only been a preacher for a few, how am I ever going to be where he is? In fact, how am I ever going to be where he wants to be? And so we hear that and we say to ourselves, well, there's no use in it. If I can't be where I want to be at the end of life, then why would I even start in the first place? That's the temptation. The temptation is to say, I'm never going to be where I want to be, so I might as well not even begin in the first place. You know, the Christian walk is about pursuing perfection. It's not about attaining it. It's not about attaining this perfection that we all are pursuing because at the end of the day, guess what? You're not going to get there. You're not going to attain it. You're not going to get there where you want to be. The Christian walk is about pursuing this completion, pursuing this perfection, pursuing this lacking nothing that we've been talking about in the book of James on Sunday night. It's about that pursuit I think the temptation for us tonight, or this morning, is, is to, to hear the fact that we will never be where we want to be. 
the temptation is to say, well, forget it. I'm done. If I can't get there, why would I even start? And so we stop growing altogether. We, we stop reading the Bible. We stop praying unless it's a meal. We stop conducting Bible studies. We, we stop trying to grow in our connection to God. And after all, why would we continue down this no-end situation? And after some time with this mindset, we stop asking the question altogether. Are we there yet? Because we know the answer. The difference is, in, in, in these two mindsets, of a mindset of I'm going to grow and, and why won't I even try, the difference is one of them's growing. One of them's trying. One of them is actively pursuing this perfection, this completion, this lacking in nothing, and the other has given up. Which is the one God would ask of us? You know, God doesn't expect us to ever reach the fullness of Christ. That's why He had to send them in the first place. How about that? God doesn't ever expect us to reach the fullness of Christ. That's why He had to send them in the first place. Because He knew we would never reach the fullness of Christ, the fullness of perfection. So He gave them to us anyway so that He could be the propitiation of our sins, so that He could be the sacrifice, so that He could complete that journey for us. You know, going back to our road trip metaphor, imagine someone that just refused to put gas in the tank on a road trip. Sounds like some of your husbands, right? Someone who just refuses to put gas in the tank on a road trip. How ridiculous would that be? It wouldn't be long before some time down the road that you were out of gas and stranded. There's no difference in that person on a road trip who doesn't put gas in the tank and the person when it comes to their personal walk, their personal growth, their personal relationship with God, there's no difference in that person and that person who says, I'm not going to put the spiritual gas in the tank. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to connect. I'm not going to do the different things I need to do to grow in my spiritual walk. That is a person who doesn't put gas in the tank. No wonder you feel like you aren't there yet because you're stranded on the side of the road without gas. Are you there yet, personally? If you feel like you aren't there yet, personally, then you need to rededicate yourself to growing in prayer, to growing in the Word, to growing in your connection with God, and you need to put that gas in the tank. Because for the people who are actively pursuing, actively growing, they're just fine with the fact that they're never going to get there. Because it's the journey towards Christ that's worth all the miles. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 says, For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You know, this morning, even if you aren't there yet personally, guess what? Christ was. And His sacrifice perfects us forever. As long as we are growing and are being set apart along our journey. Are you there yet personally? You know, for me, I wish I could say yes, but the answer is no. But because of Christ, He brings me there. The second there yet that we're going to be talking about is, are you there yet outwardly? You see, the first stop on our, on our road trip was more personal, more internal, more uh, uh, individualistic in nature. This stop on our road trip is outwardly, externally. Are you there yet when it comes to your walk with Christ and what you do for Christ? Earlier we mentioned that survey taken back in 2018 and what we learned from it in this area is that most, if not all of us, want to grow in different ways outwardly. 
Most of us wrote down that we want to grow in evangelism, that we want to grow in acts of service and benevolence and different things that we can do to actively and outwardly practice our faith. That's what we learned from the survey, and two years later the question is to you this morning, are you there yet? Did you get there? When you wrote that down on the survey, did, or, two years later, are you at the point where you can say, I, I got there? question is today, are you there yet outwardly? And have you increased that level of dedication, that level of commitment to the kingdom here? Again, I can't answer this for you if you're there yet and why that is the case, but for me, if, when, when, when this happens to me, when I'm not where I need to be outwardly, it's because I have stopped trusting in God. Trusting God is just as fundamental to the Christian faith as growing was in the last point. So many times when we aren't demonstrating our faith through evangelism and surface, it is because we don't trust God to be alongside, beside of us, and with us in that effort. We don't trust God is going to be with us. We believe that we are in it alone. It is up to us to bring the increase. It is up to us to bear the fruit. It is up to us to, act in actuality, do what it, God's job is. And so we don't have trust in Him. We have trust in ourselves. We have trust in the people around us. And we're not trusting the right thing. Maybe we ultimately do have that trust in God. But when it comes to ourselves, we have no trust at all that we can actually make a difference and actually get the job done. Either way, in either mindset, guess what's not getting done? The job. Either way, and, and, and with either mindset, Christ is not glorified. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7? It's one of the shortest sentences I've ever read in the Bible. One verse, a very few words. Paul says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Too many times as Christians, unless we can see the end, we aren't even going to start. Unless we can see the end, we're too scared to begin. Unless we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's all going to be okay, that everything's going to be alright, I'm not even going to take one step. Is that the mindset that a Christian should have? Christians are supposed to be walking by faith, not by sight. It's not about what you can see, feel, smell, touch, and use with all the senses. It's about faith. And what is faith? What does the Hebrews writer say faith is? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, he said, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not about what you see, what you feel, what you touch. It's about faith at the end of the day. Faith in what you haven't seen. And what is faith when it comes to Hebrews 11 and verse 6? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. So if your personal walk, if your outward walk is all about what you can see, what you can feel, what you can touch, you're not pleasing God. It is impossible to please God with that attitude. If before you go on outwardly showing and practicing your faith, you say, is this all going to work out? Am I going to lose this friend? Am I going to lose this relative over this conversation about the Bible? Well, I better not do it. You're not pleasing God that way. If you're going to ever be there outwardly, you're going to have to trust that God is going to be beside you. That God is there and He is with you. God is the one who is ultimately in control. Do we still believe that? Do we believe that God is the one that is in control of our lives and in control of what's going to happen and all the things that's going on in our world? Do we believe that God is in control? You know, I don't know how some of you would answer that question. And sometimes during this year, I don't know how I answer that question. 
Because it seems like there's nothing in control in our world. Everything is on its axis. And so how in the world can we ever know that God is the one who is in control during this chaos? This morning, who's in control of this place? At Buford, in this church, in this congregation, who is in control? Is it Washington? Is it the coronavirus? Is it other outside and external forces that are pressing down on us? No. God is in control of this place. Do you believe that? Have we forgotten that lesson? That God is the one who's in control? That God is going to take care of us? If we aren't there yet outwardly, it may be because we've been trying to do it without Him. We've been trying to get the control and not giving it up to God. You know, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, we read one of the most encouraging verses in all the Bible. It says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Paul is saying, God is able to exceed, to abundantly exceed your expectations. But He has to have you along with Him. According to the power that works in us, Paul says. And what does Jesus say in Luke chapter 1? Excuse me, the, the angel says about Jesus to Mary and Joseph in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. He says, for with God nothing will be impossible. Do we believe that this morning? That with God nothing is impossible? Do we still believe that God is able to exceed and abundantly exceed all of whatever He would desire to do? Or have we already been defeated before we even begin? You know what's hard about this stop on our road trip? It's the same thing that was hard about the first stop. The first stop, we said, you're never going to be there exactly where you want to be personally. And that's the same in this road stop here. You're never going to truly ever arrive at the place where you're like, I'm doing everything I could for God. I'm doing everything I possibly could. I'm doing everything possible that I possibly could for God outwardly. I'm talking to every single person I meet. I'm, I'm, I'm serving every single person that I can. I, you're never going to get to the point where you can say you're there yet outwardly. You know, just the same way the, 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 question is the answer is inevitable on a road trip when someone says, are we there yet? Sometimes these first two stops on the road trip, the answer is inevitable. No, you're not there yet personally. No, you're not there yet outwardly. There's still work to be done. And the same fact about reaching perfection personally is true about reaching perfection outwardly. If you were to ask one of these older individuals here this morning with us that have been on the walk, been on the, on, on, on the Christian walk way longer than us, and you were to ask them, hey, are you there yet outwardly? Have you done all that you need to do? And are you at a point where you can say, I'm there yet I'm there? What are they going to say? It's the same answer they said with the personal. No, I'm not there yet, but it's a daily progress. It's a daily battle. It's a daily choice. And there's the temptation yet again to say, see, look at that person. He's been here way longer than I have. There's no way I'm ever going to get where he is, and nevertheless, farther than he is. So why would I even start in the first place? Why would I even try to do anything outward for God? If that's the case. You know, the fact is, we could have always talked to one more person. Paul could have always talked to one more person, uh, uh, study the Bible with one more person, serve one more person, be benevolent to one more person. It's not about ever re reaching the point where we are there. It's about that pursuit. We know that we can never do as much as we possibly could. You know, if you ever go to sleep, you could have been using that time for God. And the temptation is for us never to start in the first place. We stop trying to continue our pursuit. We stop trying to pursue that perfection. And we start having a lack of trust that we're ever going to make a difference in this world. 
And to relate back to this road trip metaphor, this is the same as someone who, on a road trip, they are ready to go on the road trip, they go to the car, and it's time to go on the road trip, but guess what? You know, I don't know exactly how this road trip's going to turn out. I don't know all the little bumps along the way. I don't know all the little troubles we're going to have on the road trip. You know, I can't really trust this car, so I'm never going to get in the car in the first place. That's the same mindset of someone who says, well, I don't know how this is all going to pan out when I try to practice my faith. So I'm just not going to start in the first place. Are you there yet outwardly? Because sadly, I have to answer that question and say no. But I'm on my way. The third there yet, and the last there yet we're going to be talking about this morning is, are you there yet eternally? You know, this is the one that we can all agree on. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. We all are going to have the same question, same answer to this question. You see, because I'm not talking about are you there yet when it comes to salvation? Are you there yet when it comes to your soul? We're going to talk about that at the end. I'm asking you, are you there yet when it comes to heaven? Have you made it home? Have you made it to the home of the soul, the, 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 the resting place of God? Are you in the bosom of God this morning? Are you in heaven? Ben, why are you asking that? Of course we're not. Of course we're not in heaven. Of course we're not with God right now in, in heaven, in, in, in the heavenly places. We are on earth, Ben. Hello? Why are you asking that question? Well, I'm asking that question this morning because some of us have retired. Some of us have retired in our Christian walk. Why are so many of us working as if we're retired? Why are so many of us acting as if we're already in the bosom of God and in actuality there's so much work still left to be done? So many of us are satisfied with the work we've done in the past that we're not even trying to do anything in the now and in the today. We're so satisfied with what we have done in the past that where I'm from we might say we haven't worked a lick in years. We find ourselves not having done anything in years and looking back at what we did a few years ago. Man, a few years ago I went to China. I, I did all this great stuff. I went on a, a mission trip. I did an acts of service. I did all of this about three or four or five years ago. And that's just going to, it's time to coast a little bit. The whole coronavirus thing, I'm just going to coast a little bit. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to lean back on the former things I've already done. Are you there yet eternally? The answer is no, you're not in heaven yet. So why are we all, some of us, acting as if we are? The question is, can you retire from Christianity? Can you retire from Christianity? Can you, is there a certain age where you can hang it up and do nothing? No. And we all know that this morning. But I want us to think back to the scene in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has just ascended into heaven. The leader, the Savior, the Messiah, the Rabbi, their best friend has just left. I mean, seconds before. What's going to happen in verses 10 and 11 and what happens? Again, this, this, these people who seem to be angels say, while, it says, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taking up from you into heaven will come in the like manner that you saw him go into heaven. What is this angel saying to them? He's saying, listen, it's time to get to work. It's not time to just look up into heaven and, and wait for Jesus to come back. It's time for you all to get together and get to work. That's a little harsh coming from that angel, isn't it? I mean, he just left. He has just left. But no, he's saying it's time to get to work. I want you to imagine some of the apostles and disciples looking at those two men in white robes and just saying, no, nah, I think I'm just going to stay right here. I'm going to look up, maybe take a seat a little bit. I've been pretty busy the past few years. 
I've done a lot for the Lord. I was with him all the way to the end. Now he's gone. I'm going to coast a little bit, take a little break. What if that had been the leaders of the New Testament church? What if Peter or, or, or John or all the disciples and apostles there had said something like that? What would the book of Acts look like? The no-acts of the apostles, right? But no, they, they heard that message and they said, you know what, from now on it's up to me to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. From now on, Jesus isn't here and I have to take that mission for Him. I have to fill the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's up to us now. And that same message is for us this morning. It's up to us now to get to work. They understood that you can't retire from Christianity. What's the five steps of salvation we often say here? Believe, repent, confess, be baptized. What's the little add-on at the end? Be faithful. Remain faithful unto death, right? Where do we get that? Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. You see, the problem is that many people think that this verse is saying, Come and check your box unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Come here and come to worship service and come to Bible study and I will give you the crown of life. There's a whole lot more to the process than that. And if we aren't completely dedicating our entire life to the kingdom, we've missed the point entirely. If we look back to some of the younger people or, or some of the other people and say, it's yours now, you, you, you got this, I'm just going to sit back and watch you do it, I'm, happy, I'm proud of you, you're doing a great job. But we're not actively doing anything ourselves. We've missed the point. And this morning you may be thinking that I'm talking to some of the older people, but I'm not. This temptation is for all of us. There are 20-year-olds who have retired from Christianity. There are 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds that have retired from their Christianity. And they're all proud about what they have done in the past and they don't ever look forward to doing anything in the future. What's well, their turn now? What if Peter and Paul acted that way? They worked until death. You see this verse, Revelation 2 and verse 10, it's not just talking about dying of natural causes. It's talking about literally being martyred. Be faithful unto the point of death, until the point that your life is taken from you. Be faithful to me, and I will give you the crown of life. The same way that our past sins, our, our, our past shortcomings, should not keep us from having a relationship with God, it's the same way with our past victories. Our past triumphs should not keep us from working in the now and in the today. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18, it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make road in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. God expects His children to be visionary. He expects His children to be looking forward. God has done some spectacular things in the past here at this congregation. I just think about the legends who have stood behind this pulpit. And through them and through the leaders that were here in the past, they did amazing things. Whenever I bring someone to, to see the congregation, I always tell them how we started out a little double wide. And we grew a little bit, and we built this annex. And we grew a little bit, and we built that annex. And we grew a little bit, and we built this building. And it amazes them every time. What a great... What a great message that is of growth. You know, I think the temptation sometimes for us is to look back at that time and hold on to that time and not worry about what's going on today. We look back at the time where the parking lot was so full we were double parking, there was no space for us to grow at all. We even thought about filling that little swimming pool up there by Bob's house and making more parking lots because we were out of spots. And we look back at that time and say, well, it's still like that. You can't 
retire from Christianity. It's a daily progress and a daily battle. If we're only looking at what has happened in the past, at the old things, and remembering the former things like Isaiah says, we're not going to be around to see what God is doing in the now, in the today, in the new days. Take it back to our road trip example. When we stop working in our Christian walk, it's no better than someone who is 10 miles away from their destination. They go on this big road trip to the Grand Canyon. They're 10 miles away. They're just this close. And they say, that's close enough. How ridiculous would that be? It's the same as us when we do that today. Are you there yet eternally? You know, as much as I wish we all were in heaven right now, we're not. And so we need to work like it. Lastly, we're going to read the scripture reading that was offered this morning. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 it says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of, what, of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? Listen, this morning, you might not be there personally. You might not be there outwardly. But it's time to press on. Verse 12, not that I've already have attained or am already perfected. It's the same with us. Not that we've already obtained this perfection in our personal walk. Not that we've already obtained this perfection in our outward walk. But I press on. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many of us as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind this morning. Let us all be of that same mind together. That we have not obtained this perfection. We have not attained it, but we are pressing towards it together. Are you there yet personally? Well, if not, you need to keep growing. Are you there yet outwardly? Well, if not, you need to keep trusting. Are you there yet eternally? Well, if not, you need to keep working. At the end of the day, we all have the same invitation this morning to come and to get that right. If you're not there yet personally or outwardly or eternally, you need to get that right with God this morning. Because no matter where on the journey you are, no matter what stop at the road trip you need to work on, Christ is there. Christ is waiting for you to make a stop by Him. No matter where you are this morning, Christ is here. As together we stand and sing for your encouragement. Sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe.